0: Hey, really excited you're joining uh, us today to talk about this thing called parenting, which uh, I want to say on the front end, uh, I was kidding around with our teachers. They said, what are you teaching? I said, I'm teaching on parenting and how I perfected it. And uh, and what a joke, right? When we are parenting our kids, uh, there has been nothing more more humbling to me than parenting. I, uh, uh, I remember telling many... Uh, engaged couples, I've said to them, hey, this." they'll say, hey, we've heard, you know, getting married is going to teach us a lot about our selfishness. And I said, just wait until you have parents. I mean, until you're a parent and you have kids and you're going to be like learning about your selfishness on steroids, learning about seeing your issues in your kids. I mean, I watch some of my kids even today. Uh, my son uh, was out. He'd would got he been asked by his mom to uh, go walk the dog. And we have that that dog that you know our kids wanted so bad, right? We, they want him for, uh, Dad, we will take care of that dog. We will be so into that dog. We'll feed him. We'll walk him. We'll clean up the poop. We're all over it. And I remember uh, I said, I, I don't think that's going to last very long. And they are like, no, no, Dad, listen. We are so excited about this dog. And uh, it lasted four months at our house, if that long. And now I'm going, hey, you all under- walk? walking there like, I'd have to go outside, you know, walk the dog. And and uh, so I watched him frustrated that he had to go walk his dog for 15 minutes this morning, and every bit of me wanted to come out of my shoes this morning with him. And so just trusting the Lord and trying to walk in the Spirit, there's been nothing more eye-opening than parenting for me. Well, listen, let me pray for us, and we'll. Uh, we're, I'm really glad you're here today, and this is fun for me to get to... Share something. I'll tell you a little bit about my story and and what I do here at Watermark, and and uh, we'll go from there. Father, so grateful for each story. You know uh, each of them uh, intimately, and so I thank you that it wasn't by chance that you brought them here today. It wasn't by chance that you're having me uh, share because you're teaching me things all the time, and so I'm grateful uh, for a chance to share what you've laid on my heart today. May the name of Jesus Christ be given glory today and may we uh, walk more closely with you as we uh, look to parent and be uh, your man or your woman for the job as a mom or a dad. Uh, No greater challenge and no greater privilege than to get to do that. So thank you for that and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, I wanted to share something with you, you know, parenting... um, One thing I'm realizing for me, I've often said this, um, that we've all read, many of us have read a lot of books, okay, but we really, in essence, there's a lot us going, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'd love it if parenting was A plus B equals C, right? We'd love that. We'd love the formula. And let me ask you this, if God did make it that way, what do you think would be some of the problems with that? If it was an easy formula, what might we do? what might be a problem with that right okay yeah so no kid two kids are alike and here's my thing is that i think if if it was a plus b equals c i would forget god i would become this guy that thinks you know what i do have it all together i was kidding around earlier I, and that was the problem throughout the scripture if you look at uh, the Israelites, they would, Deuteronomy 8 is a great passage on that, that they would just forget God. They would go, and, and God said, look, when you go and I've delivered you from Egypt and I've taken you out of that slavery and you go off that land and you go build your, your great houses and all that, don't forget the Lord your God. And I wonder if the Lord would say to us today, hey, if you think parenting is easy and you think that you could just do these things and each kid will turn out the way you want them and you don't have to depend on me, you'll forget me. And so I think one of the most sanctifying things that God is doing is letting us be parents. I read something funny that uh, I can be a guy sometimes that parents out of fear. And we're going to talk about this mirror of parenting. And I'm going to ask you in just a little bit to think about what you would write on your mirror as you reflect on who you are. As you think about being a dad or a mom and you think about, hey, what are what are going to be my challenges? Some of you already know them. You're in the middle of them, like me. I, I, I've seen some things really clearly as I reflect on wanting to be a parent who loves God and, and steers my kids towards Christ. But I was reading this from, uh, this was a deal Jay Leno uh, put out that I thought was really funny. He said, he said, first we survived. This is to all the kids who survived the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Some of you aren't in that, but let me just tell you, there was a lot of, there's a lot of fear today with things. That can be a, a thing that drives us. And he says, first we survived being born to mothers who may have smoked and drank while they were pregnant. They took aspirin, ate blue cheese dressing, tuna from a can, and didn't get tested for diabetes. Then after the trauma, we were put to sleep on our tummies and baby cribs covered with bright colored lead based paints. We had no childproof lids on medicine bottles, locks on doors or cabinets, and when we rode on our bikes, we had baseball caps, not helmets, on our heads. I'm right in the middle of that battle with my kid. He's like my sixth grader. He's going, Dad, this is not cool to wear a helmet. And I want to say, well, we no, we didn't wear them. And, and, and this says, as infants and children, we would ride in cars with no car seats, no booster seats, no seat belts, no airbags, bald tires, and sometimes no brakes. When I was a kid on trips, we, went, we had this incredible vacation from Topeka, Kansas, to Yukon, Oklahoma. Okay, it doesn't get any better than that. All right, And I remember my mom and dad throwing me in the back of the station wagon. We, I would lay down in the back. And they didn't think a thing about putting me in a seatbelt or a seat or any of that. And I'm semi-normal today from it. Riding in the back of a, of a pickup truck on a warm day was always a special treat. We drank water from the garden hose and not from a bottle. Crazy. We shared one soft drink with our friends from one bottle, and no one actually died from this. We ate cupcakes, white bread, real butter, and bacon. We drank Kool-Aid made with real white sugar, and we weren't overweight. Why? Because we were always outside playing. That's why. It says, we would leave home in the morning and play all day as long as we were back when the street light came on. No one was able to reach us all day, and we were okay. We would spend hours building our go-karts out of scraps and then ride them down to the hill, only to find out we forgot the brakes. After running into the bushes a few times, we learned to solve the problem. We did not have PlayStations, Nintendos, and Xboxes. There were no video games, no 150 channels on cable, no video movies or DVDs, no surround sound or CDs, no cell phones, no personal computers, no internet, and no chat rooms. We had friends. We went outside and we found them. We fell out of trees and got cut, broke bones and teeth, and there were no lawsuits from those accidents. We would get spankings with wooden spoons, switches, ping-pong paddles, or just a bare hand, and no one would call child service to report abuse. We ate worms and mud pies made from dirt, and worms did not live in us forever. We were given BB guns for our 10th birthday, 22 rifles for our 12th, rode horses, made up games with sticks and tennis balls, and although we were told it would happen, we did not put out very many eyes. We rode bikes or walked to a friend's house and knocked on the door, rang a bell, or just walked in and talked to them. Little League had tryouts and not everyone made the team. Those who hadn't learned to deal with the disappointment or those who didn't had to learn to deal with disappointment. Imagine that. The idea of a parent bailing us out if we broke the law was unheard of. They actually sided with the law. These generations have produced some of the best risk-takers, problem-solvers, inventors ever. The past 50 to 85 years have seen an explosion of innovation and new ideas. We had freedom, failure, success, and responsibility. We learned how to deal with it all. If you were one of those born between 1920 and 1970, congratulations. You might want to share this with others who have had the luck to grow up with kids before. The lawyers and the government regulated so much of our lives for our own good. While you are at it, forward it to your kids so they will know how brave and lucky their parents were. It kind of makes you want to run through the house with scissors, doesn't it? The quote of the month from Jay Leno, While hurricanes and tornadoes and fire, fires out of control, mudslides flooding, severe thunderstorms tearing up our country from one end to the other, and with the threat of bird flu and terrorist attacks, are we sure this is a good time to take God out of the Pledge of Allegiance? For those that prefer to think God is not watching over us, go ahead and delete this. For the rest of us, please pass this on. Some something Jay Leno sent out. And I thought it was so funny to read that. And what I want to talk to you guys about is is this idea that many of us parent out of kind of in three categories, I think, or we will parent. We, we will parent out of uh, passivity, we'll parent out of fear, or we'll parent out of pride. Okay? And... Those three things can be uh, really tough on you. And for me, I'm going to tell you, for me, passivity and fear are two that have reared its head. If I was going to write uh, on my mirror here, I would write passivity down. I would write fear. I would write, because of my fear, sometimes there's anger issues with me. Okay, And so what I want you to hear um, is that none of us, uh, I think when we think we've arrived in parenting, we, we've got a real issue. And I'll, I'll tell you one quick story to give you a little bit of my anger. So, yes, sir. The third one I wrote was passivity, fear, and anger. But the three things that we're going to talk about really are passivity, fear, and pride. And the anger side for me comes out of fear. I don't know if you guys have ever, uh, if you're a kid. When, one thing I've realized to me, it's a really funny thing. When my kid gets hurt, it makes me angry. Isn't that weird? It's like, it's like, oh man, you know, it's like I get all tensed up and I'm worried that they're hurt and I'm, and it makes me feel that way. And I've, I've noticed that about me. I'll tell you one quick story to give you a little taste of when I was when, when my son Brayden was about six months old. Uh, and you guys that have newborns and, and are getting ready to have, uh, you'll never sleep the same quite again. And I don't say that to discourage you, but it's just true. You you learn to sleep lighter. Uh, you, you have those first weeks where they're learning to sleep through the night and all that kind of thing. And I just remember Braden decided at 4 a.m. it was a good time to get up and pull himself up in the bed and scream. You know, just one of those usual great kid moments. And so I remember going in. And you know, you're groggy and you walk in there and you, you go in there and I was like, I said, son, to my six month, you need to lay down. Okay, like he's a dog, you know. And uh, here's a Scooby snack. And so I I remember going up to him and I and he was like, you know, he's just screaming and so I would lay him down and he get he pull himself up and just ah you know, and I and after a while, you're just about to lose it, right? And I can remember Angie coming in. And by that time, I was going, lay down. You know, I'm getting frustrated. And I remember she came in and being the good uh, wife that she is, she got up and she said, I'll, I'll take it from here. And, you know, she was looking at me like, you're losing it. And I remember, this is how silly I was. I remember going out there and I, it was 4 in the morning, I remember kind of going like that on the wall. And I said, I'm going to the office. Okay, what, what is that? You know, so I remember leaving the room and I go out and I go, it's 4 a.m. Only Rick Wisner goes to the office at four, 4 a.m. And so I remember I sat down in my couch and I just I just went, what am I doing? And I remember Angie, of course, moms have a way, and she calms him down. He goes back to sleep. She comes out and sits in the chair and looks at me, and we just start dying laughing. I was like, I said that was like a made-for-television movie moment, you know? Like I'm going to the office; these kids are driving me crazy. And I just thought that's just been a little snapshot of just how. Uh, when I feel out of control or when I feel, feel fearful or when I'm just inconvenienced by my kids, what can come out? And so I would just tell you what what has happened with me is this dependence on Christ and it only gets more, right? As you get, as these kids get older, you're going to go, oh man, new challenges are going to come and uh, we're going to talk about uh, this idea of, of really what I'm going to give you is ten parenting mistakes today, and uh, and I'm right in the middle of a lot of them, so don't hear me say, hey, I made those mistakes once, and now I don't do it anymore. Don't hear me say that, but hear me say that I recognize the truth that these are mistakes, and uh, I want to show you um, a picture of my family here, just so you can see uh, our uh, if it'll work. There they are. Okay, so that's my wife Angie, my son Braden, who is a sixth grader, my son Cooper, who is a fourth grader on the left there, and that's my son Easton, who I will tell you plenty of stories about Mr. Easton. He is uh, just this week, give you a little taste. God was giving me some uh, good illustrations. Easton, my first grader, got his, took his first trip to the principal's office uh, this year. Um, he was on what they call the color red, which is not a good color. And, uh, he came home and we talked about, and he, we talked about him going to ask forgiveness. And, and I just, thankfully, normally when that would happen, neither one of my other boys have ever been to the principal's office. Okay. And they're in sixth and fourth. In fact, rarely ever get in trouble at school. I can hardly remember them ever even changing their color. Easton is, he's getting all the colors. Okay, he's, uh, he's been blue, he's been orange, he's been red. now, And so he just wanted to make sure he kept things colorful at our house. Um, and, uh, you know, thankfully this week, I'll just tell you, thank, thanks to the Lord and His Spirit, uh, that was a really beneficial conversation for you and I. It was a time for us to, to sit and meet to remind them of the goodness of our God, remind them of how, God, uh, if there's a new day tomorrow for you, and how do, what do we do when we mis- make mistakes? We own that. We ask forgiveness and we move on. And I and I got to tell him how God loves him. That God loves him. Even when we make mistakes, I said, Daddy makes mistakes and God loves him. And he lets me have a new day tomorrow. And uh, he was ashamed. He, he, had his, he was laying in the chair and taking his pillow and covering up and I don't even want to look at you. And I said, Son, you can look at me. You need to know that when this is over, it's done. That we are forgiving you once you've asked that. It's all that. And so... That was a great example this week. Other times, I haven't handled it nearly that well, and so I am thankful for the ground that God is is taking with me. I want to show you a quick video that uh, is going to challenge. I'm going to show you two videos or three videos today, but this one's called "I Need You, Dad." I want to show you this.
1: Dad, dad, may dad. I want to be rich and good looking. I want to be rich and good looking. I'll need you to challenge me. i need you to challenge me to be rich and good works. To be rich and good works. I'll be focused on building my career at all costs. I'll need you to show me how to put my family ahead of work. I'll seek my own comfort and joy. I'll seek my own comfort and joy. I need you to teach me to honor God. i need you to teach me to honor God with my time and resources. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I want to avoid hard conversations I'll need you to show me how to speak the truth of love and love I'll find myself wanting to please the crowd I'll find myself wanting to please the crowd I'll need you to remind me that I should obey God that I should obey God I'll look for happiness in many different places I'll need you to show me that joy is found in following Christ I'll want to treat girls how the world tells me to I'll need you to show me how to honor them with all my actions I'll find myself stuck in bad habits. I need you to show me the way out. I'll need you to show me the way out. I'll need you, Dad. I'll need you, Dad. I need you, Dad. i need you, Dad. To point me toward Christ when no one else will. To point me to Christ when no one else will.
0: I love that video. That doesn't stir your heart. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about how one thing I, we've talked about in our community group, and this has just been a good reminder. If you know Christ, which I don't assume that about everybody in this room, but I'm, I'm hoping that's true. We'll certainly talk about that today. You have so much to give your kids. You really do. And not because of you, but because of Christ. I was sitting with one of our, our couples in our community group the other day. And we were sitting and she was talking about her son and some challenges that were coming up with him. And I said, isn't it great that you... And John, her husband, isn't it great that you are uh, this young man's mom and dad? Because you know Christ. I said, I just so you all know this about me, my, my job here at Watermark, I direct student ministries here. I've over I've been working with high in high school for 20 years. And so I know what's coming. I know what's coming down the road for these kids. I've seen it. I've seen lots of opportunities to, to work with families and parents. But I looked at those parents in our community and I said, I'm so glad they have you. I'm so glad because the Spirit of the Lord is alive and well in you. And that's your hope. That's your hope. I said, I know a lot of kids out there whose parents don't know Christ and aren't steering them towards Christ and aren't telling them there's a different way of looking at life and aren't telling them that it's all about you and your special and self-esteem movement and all the stuff that's going on. And you guys and I get a chance to represent the Savior to them. We get to tell them about Jesus. And hopefully they'll see in us not perfection, right? We all know that's not going to happen. But they'll see us going, hey, I want to know Christ. And it's the most powerful thing we can do. So the first thing I want to tell you in this reflection of passivity on your notes there is this, the first one of the first misses for parents is that we don't run hard after Christ. Boy, we want a different answer, don't we? That takes discipline. That takes work. We want to go, well, I just, I just want to kind of have the formula. If you tell me A, B, and C, then they'll end up being this. And the reality is God didn't make it that way, and I think that's the most merciful thing He's done with us. Because He goes, look, you aren't going to be able to be a good dad or a good husband or a good wife or a good mom unless you walk with me. My spirit is going to have to be alive and well in you. The, the, the blank there, I would tell you, you cannot impart what you don't possess. You ever think about the Scripture gives us picture of us being like a cup that overflows when we're walking with Christ, when we're walking in the Spirit. And so when I think about being with my kids, I hope what happens is I just spill out on them. You know, if they bump into me, if they're hanging with Dad, the, the Spirit of the Lord spills out. But here's what I think happens a lot of times is that really what we're doing is we're, we're not walking, we're not pursuing Christ. We may be challenging them to but we're not walking like we should we're not intimate with Christ and so instead of it spilling out it's like we're trying to turn something good at the end of our work day we haven't thought about Christ and we go to the table and we start trying to pull something out about our walk with them we're like how's your day go and i think there's a verse about that or you know we we're just not walking intimately with him and guess what we can't impart what we don't possess and so I, I wanted to give you guys some... I think I might have put some questions on there for you. Um, you know, one of the questions I've been asking my kids lately is... I, I remember asking them this. I read a book that really challenged me on this. And it's, I just asked them, hey, what do you think Daddy loves? What does Daddy love? And it, you know, ought to ask your kids that. And, and be prepared for them to answer that. And really... You know, my kids might say, well, Dad, you love the Sooners. You, you love football. You... You, uh, um, if OU does well, then you're all excited, man. You're pumped. You're, you have tons of joy when OU. And Dad, you know the opposite is true. When they don't do well, you're not much fun to be around. And so would your kids, these questions that I have on here, what would your kids say that you love? Do they see trusting in God for wisdom and guidance as you run your business, lead your family, any of those things? Those are good. I want you to look at these questions. Did I put those on the notes? Are they on there? For good. So you, I want you to take some time after this class at some point and just read through those and think through. And if your answer is no to some of those, you know, like, hey, they wouldn't. Or if you say, man, they'd say, I love these things. You ought to ask the Lord to change that about you. And ask the Lord, Lord, what would you change? Search my heart. And how would you change me uh, so that, because here's what I believe. The the most I can tell you this, I've working with students for a long time. The kids who end up uh, loving Christ and walking with Him, it's a pretty consistent deal that their mom and dad do. Now God intervenes in the middle of those things. And, but I can tell you, uh, the parents who are walking with Christ and really pursuing Him and are about the things that are about eternal things, your kids see that. One thing kids are really smart about is they see through our stuff. I mean, students especially, when I think about high school students in junior high, they get if I am really care about them. They go, are you just trying to make me look a certain way or do you really care about me? And so uh, this Eugene Peterson quote, uh, it says, a parent's main job is not to be a parent but to be a person. There are no techniques to master that will make a good parent. There is no book to read that will give the right answers. The parent's main task is to be vulnerable in a living demonstration that adulthood is full, alive, and Christian. And what I loved about that is I want to be a guy. uh, I can be overwhelmed. I can read. I've read so many parenting books, and uh, there's some great stuff in there. But I want to tell you this number one thing. Is you running hard after Christ, there will be nothing to replace that. Because here's what I believe if, if we're reigned in by the Spirit and we're walking with Christ, then we're going to have wisdom that we wouldn't have. We're going to walk in the Spirit. We will maybe not respond to your kid being on red like your flesh wants to. Your flesh wants to go, man, I'm so tired of that, you know? And you just want to be irritated with them. And you want to, and not that they don't need to be disciplined but this this idea of running hard after Christ the second thing is this uh, a second miss is that uh, this is where a lot of parents are disciple my kids that is what the church is for and i want to tell you in the blank there you are the number one disciple of your kid kids or kid and i've been a guy because i work with students that parents i see parents who come in and go Hey, that's what you're for. How many times have your kids come, or you'll see this? Your kids will come on, they've memorized scripture at church, and they're sharing that, and you go, I don't can't remember the last time I memorized a verse. All right? And you kind of go, Man, you can't impart what you don't possess. If you don't, if they don't see a love for God's word, and uh, let me show you another clip here that I want to tell you it's really important that we understand who Christ is, that we understand. Uh, when we disciple our kids, we need a plan for them. And we need to impart those things that we believe about Christ. And if we don't know his word, and if we're not walking intimately with him, then there can be some real issues. I want you to see a clip from Everybody Loves Raymond here, one of my a show I really enjoy. And he's trying to tell his daughter about sex. And I want to show you how he handles this one.
2: Listen, um, the other day you asked questions about babies and stuff
1: started sneezing. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. Good. Good. Let me try to explain a few things. All right. Okay. Here's what happens. When a man and a woman love each other very much, they get married. And then sometimes they decide to make a baby.
1: Why are there babies?
2: Right. Right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know
1: that the man and the woman have to do something, but... Why are we born? Why has God put us here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> because that's what?
1: heaven when we die, then why does God want us here first? <laughs>
2: um, why does God want us here?
1: Yeah, why? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. (laughs) You don't want to talk about sex? (laughs) You ever ever hear the word (laughs) philopium? Okay. All right. Okay, you really want to know why God wants us here first. That's a good question. You see... God is up in heaven, and, well, honey, it's very crowded up there. It is? Yeah, yeah, and and you don't want to be in heaven if it's crowded, right? Remember when we went to Disney World, how crowded that was? I mean, it was fun, but it was too crowded, right? So God, he sends us down to earth for a little while to ease the heavenly congestion (laughs) I want you
0: I'll be back in a minute hey I don't know if some of y'all feel that way sometimes you know kids can come up with incredible questions and it is important that we can steer them to God's word that we can steer them to truth and not give answers like heaven was really congested and that's why. And so, here's what I want to encourage you with. Sometimes you might feel like, well, I feel so ill-equipped to help them. And there's a scripture that I want to encourage you with, Acts 4.13. It says this, that now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And what I want to tell you is that, you know, what God throughout the scripture used Ordinary, unschooled men. It wasn't about their gifts. It was about have they had been with Jesus. And the one thing you can do as a parent is you can pursue your relationship with Christ. And as you do that, and as you understand God's Word and, and begin to uh, grow in that and come to classes like this and come to training days and be taught God's Word and be discipled, you can pass it on to your kids. That is our number one responsibility. Look at um, Deuteronomy 6 for a minute if you have your Bible. Um, this chart that we've given you, that green uh, piece of paper, there. This, is a, this has been really, really helpful. It's something we've been using in the dad's class. And uh, it has really helped me. I'm a guy that needs things to be simple. Okay, I, I need to have a plan, but I don't need it to be overwhelming. Did anybody ever get overwhelmed, kind of this paralysis by analysis? You're like, ah, there's so much to do, so I'll do nothing. And that's where this passivity can come in. But in in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, it would be a great um, thing for you to read and to study and understand what we're called to do as parents. And I want to read one particular part there to you. Uh, In verse 6 through 9, it says this, "...and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children." And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand as they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What I love about that passage about God's Word is saying, hey, any time. And on this chart, you're going to see there are these different times of the day. Right? Because it covers the gamut, doesn't it? It says... Uh, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So there's a, there's a morning time. There's times when you travel with your kids. Let me just tell you, even taking kids to, to sports or activities, it can be such a great time for these impromptu discipleship times. Ask them good questions. Share something that God taught you in His Word. Um, get into dialogue about those things. And so you have all these opportunities. In this little chart, as you can see there, it has. There's some different. Yeah, thank you. There's some different. There's a meal time there in the morning. I'm going to tell you what I'm trying to do with my kids is I just try to share one verse with them in the morning. It's a little bit of a, a charge. Some of you are going. I'm eight month old. Maybe not yet. Right. But but as you're going here, as you begin to think about that, especially I think this is true for dads, but but it can be for for moms too. To give them this time just to say, hey, at meal times. Be a teacher. Share that with them. And so that morning time on the bottom there is coach, right? So that's where I'm giving them these encouraging words. Like yesterday I sat with my boys and I said, hey, we looked at Proverbs 18 and then it talked about doing things in isolation and when you think you know it all, that that's going to cause you great harm. So we talked about that. I said, what's that look like? So it was a great little discussion. It was a 5 minute or right before because we know mornings are rushed and crazy, but it was a great thing. Um... At bedtime, I'm going from the, uh, the bottom to the top, and in bedtime, they're a counselor. That's one of the best times for you just to go sit and lie down in bed by, by him and just say, hey, man, how was your day? Hey, anything happened today that anybody hurt you? Anybody? Did you get frustrated with anybody today? Did anybody lie to you? Did anybody let dad break a promise to you? Those are just great questions you can talk to them about because you want to talk to them about their heart. It's really what you want to talk about. And so I'll, I'll just go in there, and it's not a time that I'm going in and giving them tons of instruction, I'll just go and I'll pray with them and I'll talk to them. My son Cooper, my middle son, he wants Daddy to come hug him every night. And I'm going to tell you, it won't always be like that. When your boys want you to hug them, go hug them. When your kids want to hug you, man, take advantage of it, because I know that's going to change. It is. And I hope he never outgrows it, but I think he will. Okay? And so there's a counselor. I love that counselor deal there. And then uh, drive time, this friend and like these impromptu, some of the best discipleship can come out of anything. What happened? What was the high and low of your day today? And they'll say, well, the low was, you know, the guy at school that was bullying me on the playground. We talk, And then you get a chance to go, hey, let's talk about how you respond to that. What's it look like to be someone who represents Christ even when it's hard? So great opportunities there. And then mealtime, we tend to talk... A little bit more. I might share something again, imparting what I hopefully possess—something that God taught me that day. Get a little helpful thing in the journey. If you all, any of y'all are doing, join the journey. There are some family activities in there. There's great questions every day that you could simplify down and just say, "We're going to talk about this as a family." One thing I want to tell you: have proper expectations with this. I think everybody looks at Wagner. And thinks that he and his family just sit around drinking hot chocolate all the time, talking about all the deepest things of spiritual realities. Okay, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, they're uh, trying to have some family devo times at the dinner table. Afterwards, is work. My seven-year-old is not over there going, "You know, Dad, when you said that, that was really great. Thank you for teaching me." Okay, he's over there going, you know, hitting his, his brother, and we're trying to keep their attention and. And so, boy, sometimes I think we look at, we get snapshots of other people's kids and we think, Kelly, their kid's unbelievable. What are they doing? They must have this special devotional that they're doing at night that creates these perfect kids, right? And, and, what, you're, and what, what do most friends say when you say, hey, your kid was so great today? What might they say to you? <laughs> That's right. Hey, you don't get to hang with them all the time. You don't spend the hours I spend with them. And guess what? I could say about me, right? Somebody might oh, bro you seem like the nicest, most fun, caring parent. I'll go. You should have seen me when I wanted to punt my kid. Literally. Okay. So these, uh, I would just tell you though, I love that this. I'll tell you, God's word is so good. My two boys, my two oldest, we just finished redoing their rooms when they went off to camp. We decided to our own extreme home makeover. It wasn't nearly as good as Ty's, but it was it was good. And uh, when they came in, one of the things we did was we just thought and prayed through what are the verses we want to have for each of our kids, and we put those on the wall and we told them why we picked these verses for them. Because I want God's word to be written on their doorposts. I want it to be all the time that they're seeing that and we're talking about it. I love in the uh, in the message there is a uh, Colossians three. It talks about, and the message says, let God's word, the message, have run of your house. It's just such a great... I just love that, that you talk about it all the time, that it's not unusual. So if you come to my house, we talk about God's word lots. And I'm going to tell you, you know why I, I, we do it? because I believe it's profitable. John, you know, Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says that it's profitable. It's God-breathed. If God gave you a message, came to you today and said, hey, I'm going to tell you everything you need to tell your kids. And he told you verbally, you'd go, oh, I'm going to go tell my kids. That's what he did in the Scripture. It's profitable for cor- correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And so take advantage of knowing God's Word. You will never. You will not come uh, back sometime and see me at church and go, Bron, you know, you told me to get in God's Word. I really regret that one. You won't do that. You'll say, man, my time in God's Word has been great because I've been able to give that away to my kids. And we're taking advantage. When when we're in the car, I have something to tell them. You want to be wise? Know God's Word. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of parenting uh, anecdotes and things that you think are great tips and all that. But man, God's Word will stand the test of time and will really bless you. So here's the third thing. Uh, and it goes along with this passivity. I'm so overwhelmed that I do nothing. That's a third thing. And I'm going to tell you, I get that way sometimes. I, I, uh, I'm i a guy that I can go to the dad's class. Anybody go to the dad's class in here? Okay, you, you hear that and you're just going, It's there are 20 things to do every time, right? And so what I've had to discipline myself to do is go, hey, Lord, what's the one or two things you want me to do? And how do you want to change me? How do you want me to take ground here? And so I want to tell you, the, the verse that I love is Psalm 127.4. And here's your blanks. Your kids are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know, really that is the picture of parenting. We are pulling back the bow. We have a quiver full of arrows that we've been blessed with. That's a blessing. Children are a blessing for the Lord. And we are going to, as we as parents, we're going to start to pull back that bow. And eventually we're going to release that bow. And as as we're releasing, we're hoping that other people come along and help too. But we're the number one archer. We're the one firing it. And the reason I love small groups and student ministry and what's going on is because I think we get an opportunity and my my team of leaders get a chance to tell students, hey, your parents aren't crazy. Let love in Christ and in Christ is where life is. And they're gonna try to steer that arrow to the target of Christ too. I love that. But the reality is you are the principal, you're the archer, you're the you're the warrior that's shooting Um, That arrow. Here's what I'd tell you is here's what I think we do in parenting a lot. It's like we go and draw a target. Or no, we shoot the arrow first, and then wherever it lands, we go and draw the target around it. Instead of having some targets of going, hey, here's what I want to impart to my kids. We did a simple thing with our family, and this, listen, this isn't uh, any magic thing, but we took the letters of our last name and the B R O and W and N, and we just took five qualities that we want to impart to our kids. The B is for be about others. We want them to be. And we we use Philippians 2 with that. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Every day when I'm walking my kids to school, I just say, hey, be about others today, guys. Be about others. We take the R and we said remain soft. And what we mean by that is let God teach you. Let us teach you. Be someone who doesn't think they know it all. But be like um, clay in the hands of the potter. Okay. O is offer forgiveness and ask for forgiveness. We just talked about that. We're going to keep short accounts in our house. We're going to do that. We're going to make sure that we don't hold bitterness. We're going to, when we hurt each other, we're going to ask forgiveness. Okay. The W is to work hard. I want my kids to learn to work hard. Colossians three twenty three. Do your work wholeheartedly for the Lord, rather than for men. And boy, did Braden and I have a discussion just about an hour ago when he was wanting to walk. When he didn't want to walk that dog, and I said, "Hey, buddy, and you know what? You only want me to tell me that you're going to hear this over and over. That doesn't seem fair." Oh, that one. I, I just. I go. Hey, let me tell you something, buddy. When you're in a job someday, what, I said, "Why should you? When we ask you to do something, why should you do it?" Because it honors God, and it honors your parents. And so you should do it all the way, right away, with a good attitude. That's obedience. And you know what's going to happen? If you want to look at everybody else, and you're going to have this burden of comparison, we talked about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And it's Matthew 20, where there's this this owner, and you guys may remember that story. But the story is, this owner of the vineyard hires these people at different times during the day. And at the first, he hires some early in the day, and he pays them a denarius. And then these others come along, and at the end of the day, he's settling up, and he pays everybody the same, even the ones that work just a couple hours. And what happened? The people that have been there all day, because they were comparing, even though the Master had said what he would pay them, he did what he'd say. He started comparing them. We talked about that today. I said, Brayden, if you look at everybody else, and you're not doing what you're doing because you want to honor God, you are going to get frustrated lots in life. Because it's not going to be fair. But if you, but I said the one thing you can do is your response to your mom and dad, and your response to working hard is a biblical thing that honors God. So we got to teach him this morning about that. The end is never miss an opportunity to tell the truth or never lie. Integrity around our house is a big deal. Brayden had an opportunity last night, my 12 year old, to go uh, to a volleyball game, and we had to leave him home for about. 45 minutes in there. I said, you know why you can do this, buddy? Because I trust you. I trust you. And I said, this is a privilege that can be taken away. Next time, I said, and because you're a trustworthy young man, you can go and you're going to get to go to this volleyball game with your buddies tonight. But if you weren't, you wouldn't have that privilege. And it would be no one's fault but yours. Because, by the way, that's the other one. It's everybody else's fault. Never mind. And so we talk a lot about the first thing we talk about when we talk about discipline is we talk about, hey, first thing I want you to do is own where you could have done it differently. That's a big deal. Because you want to get him past all the, well, if he just wouldn't, he wouldn't. go. No, let's start with you first. What scripture is that? Matthew what? 7. Matthew 7. Another chance to teach them. Why do you get the log? If There's this log in your own eye and you're picking the speck out of your brother's. It's like you've got the telephone pole in your own eye, and you're just beating people down, and you get a chance to teach them that. So the only reason I say all that to you is because there's little things you can do. So don't be overwhelmed to the sense of where you don't ever have any targets. So maybe the one target for you is, I'm going to think through how I'm going to communicate three or four things to my family that I want them to be about, and I might Bron's not very smart. He picked out Brown, okay? He's real intelligent. You know, he went down and did a little... But it's something they can remember. And so uh, I'm going to tell you another thing just recently that I've been doing that is just a, another thing. So you, you guys remember the, the movie What About Bob? The Baby Steps thing? This is it, okay? It's Baby Steps, all right? You go like, I'm going to take Baby Steps, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write something with my last name. I'm going to... Um, what I do it, I, I'm writing a note... To each one of my kids every Friday, just one of them. Okay, so in the month they each get a note from me, and you know what happens with notes from their parents? I'm gonna tell you something. They're gold. They end up getting hung up in their room. They're on their wall, and it, I'm gonna tell you from a dad to a son or a mom to a son or a daughter, that is so good. I'm gonna. You know, how I know it's gold because I've done student ministry for so long, and I've been writing notes to kids. Thousands of notes through the years. And when I go with my small group and I'm hanging out in their car, a note that I wrote them that I took five minutes to think through is on their dash. It's right there in their car. There's three of them that I've written them over the year. And they keep them right there. Or it's by their bed when I go to their house. Or it's on their fridge. And I'm going to tell you, notes, little things like that, that could be a great thing. That's your baby step maybe. Just start writing your kid a note. Some of you that have young kids, You maybe you ought to write them a note and just say, even now, you got to say, I'm going to write them a note so when they get older, hey, this is what I was praying for you when you were eight months old. Wouldn't it be great if someday they got to just put those in a box and they could have those and remember how their daddy or their mom felt about them? Baby step. Don't be so overwhelmed that you do nothing. And I can be that guy. I can go, man, and I know how it is. You get home and you're tired and If you're, you know, mom, you've been hauling them to every event and you just, you don't have anything left and you're going, please just get in bed. Right? I get that way. And I, and I have had to push through that because I just, I'm just so addicted to my own self, my own comfort. And so I would just encourage you, do uh, something along those way, write notes, do one-on-ones. Another thing that I'm doing, and again, these are not, uh, these are just ideas, um on Saturday morning it's breakfast with Dad. I take one of my kids out to breakfast And that doesn't have to be you don't have to go out. you or maybe it's um, I'm gonna I love what John McGee's doing right now, a buddy of mine. He's walking his kid to 711 and they just walk and talk about how they're doing. they talk and they go get an icy and they come back and that is a sweet time for him And their kid his kid can't wait. Dad, it's my turn to go get an icy Dad it's my turn to go to the donut shop with you. Breakfast with Dad. I'll go and I'll go, guess what, Cooper? Your turn today. And they're like, yes! And, they, and we go hang out. And it's nothing magic. Okay, It's not this incredible discipleship time where we went through the five points of Calvinism. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, whoever's teaching that. But we're, we're talking about life and going, hey, what was going on this week? And, and is there anything Dad, here's a question I ask him. Is there anything that Dad needs to start doing, stop doing? Is there either of those. What is it and, and you know what? That evaluation that we did for dad's class was gold. Brayden, my oldest son, said, Dad, you need to quit. If you would do this for me, sometimes when you're you're um, disciplining me, you exaggerate. He said, You kind of exaggerate what I've done. And I said, Braden, I went to him, I said, Thank you. That's really helpful. I'm gonna watch that. We, when I'm when I was on him today, I said, I don't want to exaggerate, son, I want to stay calm with you and help you understand. And so that was good. So these are just little things along the way that you can do. Um, another, the fourth thing is, a, and this is a parenting myth: it's the only time when I that I hang with my kids is when I'm disciplining them. It rules without relationship breed rebellion. Okay, and so I want to give you just a couple of things. Make and the blank there is memories. Good question. Yeah, rules without relationship breed rebellion. You betcha. So uh, uh, make memories. I You know what, my kids. I'm, I'm a I'm a, a singer, and so I love to sing in the morning to them when they get up. And some of that can be a little irritating for them. But there's a kind of a tradition when I'm making their lunch. You know, I'm, I'm in there. I make my kids lunch. And uh, I'm in there singing, and I go, what song do you all want today? And they're like, nothing, Dad. And I'll go like, oh. and then I get them to smile, and we laugh. And, and uh, But that's just kind of a, So I try to make, I want my house to be fun. So that's the other one, make memories. And uh, the other one is make time for fun. Hey, if you build a relationship with your kids, um, your house should be a lot of fun. And I'm going to tell you, this uh, is work. I can remember last Sunday. I had a really long Sundays are long days for us here at the church. And I was I'd gone home and I'm watching a pro football game and my son's in there, you know, on the computer, you know, playing a game on there. And I thought, okay, do I want to sit here and veg out and watch a, a game I'm not even interested in? It wasn't the Cowboys. And and I just and and I said, or do I want to take advantage of this time? So I said, Easton, why don't you come in here? And I said, let's play some. I said, what do you want to play? Any game you want to play? He goes, I want to play chess. And I said, "I said, well, uh, that's going to be an exciting game with a seven-year-old. Or maybe I'll get humble. That could be the other part. But anyway, he. so I knew this wasn't going to be a real challenging game in chess, but he loved it. We played three games of chess. and I, So whatever it is for you, whatever your kids love, you know, one of the parenting mistakes I see people do is, you know, um, I talked to a dad and he said, Hey, my kid likes this. I just don't like that. And I go, it's not about you. My kid wants to play Legos. I'm not thinking that all of you have this incredible, you know, desire to play Legos. Some of you might, and it's okay, you can admit it. But but there was a dad in my dad's class that, that I, was, I was talking to. Him. He goes, man, my kid wants to. Play. I just don't really like that. And I go, boy, what a great opportunity to do something they like. And maybe you don't connect with them. Maybe you're a sports guy and they're not into sports. Or maybe you're not a sports guy and they're not. Or whatever it is, it really isn't about you. It's a chance for you to love them and invest in them. And so I, um, that's making memories and making time for fun is a big deal. And so I'd ask you to ask yourself, well, what's my Legos? What's my chest? What's my thing that I don't want to do because I'm so consumed with myself? Some missed opportunities there. If we don't, if only time we hang with them is when we're disciplining them. I love this analogy. Remember this one. A castle analogy. This is what I think about when I think about the students, but it's true with our kids. If we are, if we never lower the drawbridge of relationship, into that castle, we will never get inside to their heart. We will be flinging truth at them and going, hey, I hope you get it when I'm disciplining you, and I hope you get it, and I'm flinging truth to those walls. But if it doesn't get inside, then we have not lowered that drop, and we're missing the opportunity. What was a great thing from uh, Dean McFarland's an elder here, and his son, who's now out of college, he said, hey, one of the best things is when God really wanted to grab my heart with truth, he did it because I had a relationship with my dad. We, we were fishing together. We were hunting. We were doing things. And that relationship, you never know when God's going to really pierce their heart. And he's going to do it because they're going to believe it's coming from you, who they know. It's really what we've built our whole philosophy of ministry on here at Watermark with students. Is we go, man, kids don't care that they know care what you know until they know you care about them. And so you've got to, uh, we use Hebrews 13.7. Remember your leaders who spoke the Word of God to you. It says, consider the outcome of their way of life and then imitate their faith. You know, what? that's a good daddy verse or mommy verse. Hey, you may speak the Word of God to your kids, but if they can't ever consider the outcome of your way of life because they don't get to spend much time with you, then they're not going to imitate your faith. They're going to go, it's phony. They want to know you. Hebrews 13, 7. And so those are the... Those are the things I want you to think of. So this passivity piece is a big one, gang. So let me remind you of those again. If you're not running hard after Christ, if you're relying on the church to disciple your kids, if you're uh, the only time or you're so overwhelmed you just you don't have any targets, you're just kind of going, oh, I'm, I'm paralyzed. Or the fourth thing, the uh, only time I hang out with them is when you're disciplined. Man, make time for fun. Make memories. Make it a place where you've, you've built in relationships. Hey, the second category we're going to talk about is this fear category. And this one really is, uh, is a big one for me. And we're going to take a break here just in just a minute to give you guys a chance to stretch. But parenting under fear under fear is where I see a ton of people at, and I'm one of them. I can, because I'm in junior high and high school ministry, I can roll the tape forward and go, Boy, if my kid doesn't do this, then they're going to end up with these friends. And if these friends go there, then they're going to end up, and all of a sudden they're on drugs and and whatever else. I can just start doing that. And I'm going to tell you, I don't believe God wants us to operate under fear. I'll use this sports analogy. When I was playing basketball, and that was a long time ago, it's seeming really long ago now. But when I played college basketball, I can remember when I felt the green light, when I played when I was fearful if I missed a shot, I played tentative. I played scared. I I didn't know where I was going. And the same thing can be true with parenting. If you parent out of fear, you can be tentative and not you'll miss out on these great opportunities to shape and train your kids. And so don't parent out of fear. This did I put the Walt Mueller quote on there for you guys? I think it's a great one. While parents should be cautious and watchful and discerning, we cannot allow ourselves to fall victim to fear. Usually this fear either manifests itself in a desire to remove our kids from the world and thereby keep them from harm. Or it immobilizes us as parents, keeping us from fulfilling our God-given role in our teenagers' lives. And I don't want us to be immobilized. In fact, what you should do is think back to your teenage years and go, wouldn't it? And maybe your parents were great. Okay, but I th- I was talking to Brayden this morning, and I said, Brayden, I wish my daddy would have talked to me about some of this stuff. And I told Brayden today, I said, Brayden, I think sometimes you're fearful to talk to me about stuff, and I just want you to know I'm for you. I love you man I want to help you. I wish my dad would have talked to me about girls when I was started to like them you know at 11 and 12 he started going when Susan Reynolds you know the sixth grader asked this fifth grade man oh, you have to go with her and I thought I'd reach the pinnacle of all relationships I, I didn't I didn't talk to my dad my dad never asked me hey what's going on with girls you know what are, what are you feeling are you're any of the girls you're like I want to talk to that stuff that's when I'm that counselor at night. I remember one time I told Braden I said, "Braden, it's not weird that you're starting to think girls don't have cooties anymore. You like them? And he was like, really? You know, he's got like this big smile went over his face. I said, yeah, that's great. He said, let's just talk about how you handle that in a godly way. Cooper the other night came to me and he said, hey, Dad, I, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, what is it? This could be one of those great, great moments. And he said, yeah. He goes, uh, this girl, she asked me to be her boyfriend. And Cooper's fourth grade. And I said, well, well, what did you tell her? And he said, well, actually, a friend came and asked for her. And I told a friend that I need to talk to my dad and I get back with her. And so, uh, and he said, I, I, goes, I know what your answer is going to be. It's no. But he goes, I just want to know what to say to her. so I don't hurt her, her feelings. And, uh, and so, it was just great. We had a sweet time there. I said, well, Cooper, you can just tell her, man, hey, really honored that you would ask. But... And we are—we're too young to be thinking that way. And I'm just great with being a friend. And so he went. and He told that girl to tell the other girl, and she said, "That's what I thought you would say." Okay, I'll go tell her. Just—it was a, a sweet time with my boy. But it was—but uh, I don't want to uh, operate out of fear with my kids. And I can—I can start to—and um, so I want you to see instead of fear, see it as opportunity. Ephesians five. All right, says that we're not to live as unwise, but as wise. That we ought to seize the opportunities for the days are evil. Okay, and parenting parenting's an opportunity. And if we walk around in fear and we don't take advantage of these times, I want my I want to keep dialoguing with my son all the time. So he can go. And I said, Braden, it's not that I if you come home and tell me these kids were doing bad things or whatever, or you tell me you struggle with that I'm gonna go, Oh, you could never hang with them again. I'm gonna help you know how to help them. I'm going to help you know how to respond when kids are wanting to do something that you don't think is right. Or when you do something the first time you do that, which is not the first time, right? You need to come in. We need to talk about it. I want to help you. I'm for you. Kids need to know that. And so if we operate out of fear, then we start going, hey, I've seen that guy's dad. You can never hang out with him. Can we just go? You just can't. And, and sometimes that might be wise after you've seen the situation or you've seen an impact of that. But I think I don't think the Lord wants us to walk around in fear of, boy, what if he meets this kid and, and this happens and all of a sudden we start rolling the tape. So I think that's an um, important piece. The other thing is with this fear piece is we don't want to see our kids struggle. And guess what? As you read the scripture, does God use trial and struggle? Big time. And so here's what we can do as parents. We can go in out a fear and we helicopter in. And, you know, uh, I've seen many helicopter parents through my years. And guess what? I'm about ready to jump on that helicopter myself at times. And I've got to remind myself, hey, I went through lots of trials and challenges when I was a kid. And those weren't bad things. They were hard. But consider joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance produces character and hope and perseverance. If we keep coming in and bailing them out of every situation, out of fear that they're going to hurt, I don't want my kid to ever hurt. I want their self-esteem to be up. I think we're hurting them. And so you're going to go, if I come in every time and go, I just don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to, I want to keep you from the pain of that. Um... I just said, man. We try to spare them of all the consequences of their actions, and that is a that stunts growth. That doesn't help growth. I'll give you an example. Uh, Braden, uh, my oldest, last year, um, I get a call and Andy said, "Hey, Braden just got hit three times after school in the stomach, and he was upset. He was crying, and this, and, uh, this guy coming and cheap shot at him while another person that was holding him down. And so." Uh, First thing I did was kind of sought some counsel and said, Hey, I wanna get the whole story and but I called some friends and said, Hey what's going on? What do you think? And so when I got home, the first thing I did with Braden, I said, Well Braden, tell me the story and he told me the story was and as that he was uh he was kicking off a football and it hit this girl in the face. And she and she went running after him and it was a sixth grade girl and he was a fifth grade boy. And she and my boy's pretty tall but he's not, not much. Anyway, so she's coming after him, and she pulls him down by the backpack, and then this other sixth-grade kid comes goes boom, 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 hits him three times. Then they kind of run off, and, and I said, well, hey, buddy. And we got, I said, guess what we're going to do? We're going to figure out who those kids were, and we're going to go talk to their parents, and we're going to figure out all that's going on here. And he was like, oh, Dad, couldn't we? Angie had already gone over the school and said, here's what happened, and they said, we'll take care of it the next day. And I said, you know what, Braden? This is an opportunity for us to maybe humble ourselves and learn what we could learn here. So we're not going to wait for the school to handle it. We're going to go to handle it tonight. And he was like, "Oh, Dad, couldn't we just you no? Know, not what we're going to do." So we went, and I found out who the kids were. I ended up going to the door of this mom. Then and I said, "Hey, I want to tell you what I heard happen." And I said, "There's two sides to every story." And so, can we get together and with this girl and this kid? That, and, and I said, "Can we do that?" And she said, "Yeah, we can." And so she called the other mom, and we ended up meeting at Brahms, which was neutral territory. Okay? Because originally we were going to meet at our house, and they said, we'd feel better if we met at Brahms. It's great. So we went over to Brahms, and the first thing we did with Brayden is I, say, I said, hey, y'all, I said, I asked the other girl, I said, you tell me the story. And she did, and she said, you know, when, it, when the ball hit me, they all laughed. There was kids laughing, and I was I was embarrassed. And, and I said, well, let's stop right there. Brayden, can you understand how, even though it was an accident, you caused her pain? And he goes, and I said, what do you need to do? And he goes, I need to ask her forgiveness. So Brayden asked her forgiveness. And the mom's sitting there. And anyway, so we had this great time to get the log out of our own eye. We got to own up where we need to. And at the end, this mom looking, she goes, that was, that was really good. That was really great. And I said, well, I hope so. I said, isn't it great when we handle things in a way that honors God, and, and, uh, and so it ended up being a great deal and a great teachable moment for Braden. And I could have just said, well, listen, we'll, we'll let the principals take care of it, and we won't, you don't need to own up to that, and that, was, that jerk, why did he come in and hit you? And, but I knew there was all other pieces of the story, and Braden needed to own what he needed to own. And so it, it would have been easy to have let that kind of stuff slide. So under that is this, God is writing your kid's story. Trust them. And boy, I, I say that and as the words come out of my mouth, I go, Bron, would you trust me today? That's what God's asking me. Because I want to figure it out and control and I want to base some decisions on fear. But we got to continue to realize God is writing a story. He does use trial. He does use challenging times. You're not going to be able to keep your kid from pain. And you know what? That isn't necessarily the best thing. So that's a big one. Let's do one more and we'll take a break. Here's another one out of fear, and this is where we can do this. Not confessing your own struggles or asking forgiveness. That's another parenting miss. Some of the most exasperated boys, and it's girls too, I'm sure, but that I've met with over the years, they will say, man, my dad will never admit that he's wrong. And what's our fear? What would be a parent's fear of asking forgiveness or admitting that? Yeah, seeming weak or we give up our authority, right? All of a sudden we go, man, and I'm going to tell you, I think it's the opposite. Because our kids are smart enough to know that we are far from perfect. Okay, and so when we blow it, which you will, one of the best things you can do to be a picture of Christ is go ask your kids forgiveness. Say, hey, daddy got really angry with you. In a way that didn't honor Christ, and will you forget me? I've had to do that plenty of times, and it has not lost my authority. It hasn't. It hasn't kept me from being the dad that I need to be. That I need to be. And so it also says that uh, it gives a good picture of the gospel. Right? We all need a Savior, and if our kids think, well, my dad just thinks he's got it all together, and he doesn't ever make any mistakes, and and if he does that, then i that's what I think being a Christian is, is this guy that's perfect. And that's a real miss there. And that goes right along with what we were just talking about, that Matthew 7, man, that we would teach in that. Matthew 7, I think it's verses 3 through 5 there, that talks about uh, seeing those things. And if we tell our kids, hey, you've got to be forgiving, or you've got to ask forgiveness, and you've got to admit when you're wrong, and we tell them those things, but we never model that for them, what a miss. What a mess that is. You know, the Scripture talks about not exasperating our our sons. It talks about that. And I'm going to tell you, that this is one of them. When we as dads just go, I'm the dad and that's just how it is. It's not that we give up our authority. just the way we do that consistently and the way we own up when we mess up. Because we will. Now, kids can play you on that. Kids can use that against you and you don't. You don't let them manipulate you with that. At the same time, you you don't walk in fear. You go, boy, if I admit that I have some struggles, that that that, that will cost me. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't asked your, you know, even as as you think, or for some of you looking ahead, that needs to be part of what you do with your kids. It just, it is such, uh, forgiveness is a powerful thing. It's a great, and to ask forgiveness is a powerful picture of the gospel. It's such an easy deal. Hey, I'm going to forgive you, son, just, and I want, I, I want you to forgive me just as God's forgiven. And if it wasn't for the cross, man, we're all in trouble. We try to be perfect, but where none of us are, and we need a Savior. So you get a great chance to communicate uh, the gospel to him there. So I want to encourage you with um, this this asking forgiveness and you ought to search your heart with that man if you got stuff in there that you go you know what I need to go own this with my one of my kids I need to just go hey look I, I've i been prideful and uh, I didn't want to come own this because I guess there was some fear in me mean, you got to just tell them just tell them
2: that's that's part of what, what you need to confess to them
0: okay alright let me get us rolling here again Um, okay. So we are now on the next parenting miss here. The last one, what we just discussed was, uh, not asking forgiveness. The next one that I want to talk about is this, um, is this idea that we're okay if our kids look like Christians, uh, at the very least. So it's this idea of, Hey, I'm okay if they just look like a believer. And I've seen a lot of Parents do that. I've seen myself feel like that, and let me ask you: what What do you think might be the motivation of that? Right, right. There, there is a there's a big deal with us as parents that we we say, "Man, I I, I want my kids to at least look like it, so it's a reflection of my great parenting." And I would just tell you, um, man, it, yeah, the the things that we'll do. F- For our our ego and for our uh, self-dependence, there's some real traps in that. And so I just confess that to the Lord. um, That's that's a big
2: one. Really, it also comes back to this fear of what others might think.